1: Hello and welcome to Zira Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that's engaging and transforming and helping you, our neighbors, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this Illuminating Journey Several ways you can do that uh go to our facebook community zero network on Facebook go there, like that page and you can listen to all the archive shows that we have on that on that page and trust me you will you will thoroughly enjoy it also follow us on Twitter the show handle for Twitter is at zero radio at z e r a radio and my personal handle is at Lorenzo T Neal. Visit my website, Lorenzo T dot com, and you can listen to shows there. Also catch um, episodes of my other podcasts. Be your differentiated self. You can buy a, buy my books, however you want to do it. We also thank you so much. And lastly, if you have not done so, I want to invite you to become a patron of this show by simply going to patreon.com/slash Lorenzo T Neal. Go there and Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, and they have different tiers that you can uh, you can subscribe to and support this show. Help us expand or do whatever, whatever we're doing. You can help us do. <laughs> it's all good. It's all it's all good. Uh, hope everybody's having a great day so far. Um, it is. Well, actually, we're we're in the midst of a tropical depression here in the South in the Gulf. We have tropical depression Marco that was a tropical storm that was looking to be a hurricane but got demoted. And tomorrow we are looking for landfall for Hurricane Laura, and uh, it's expected to hit land in my old stomping ground of Southwest Louisiana um, sometime tomorrow or sometime late this this evening, early tomorrow morning, as a Category Three hurricane. And uh, you know, I've been through category five, four, three, one. I, I've been through all of them. And uh, you can never be prepared enough. Uh, so pray for those persons who are in direct path to the storm. And I, I think they're going to say it's going to, it's hitting toward uh, the Lake Charles area. At first, they were saying it may hit uh, the uh, Chapalaya Basin, which is um, what is. Uh, Morgan City area, but I don't think it's going to. It's still going to impact that area. And they're estimating it's going to come all the way up as far north as uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. So uh, those who are listening around the world, you may never have been impacted by a a hurricane, but uh, we do solicit that you pray for uh, those who will be impacted. And hopefully the damage will be minimal, no deaths. Limited property damage. I already have sandbags around my house as we prepare. If you didn't know, er, earlier this year, uh, my house flooded twice. We had severe flooding in the Jackson, Mississippi area early this year. Actually, right before COVID. Right after the new year. <laughs> and my house flooded twice. in the uh, And um, I had good good help in getting it cleared out and cleaned up and um couldn't stay here for a couple of days, but uh, anyway, so now we have sandbags around the house because there's a creek behind my house that floods. If we get more than an inch or two of rain, it's going to it's gonna rise, and it always floods the backyard, but uh, this year it got all the way into the house, so we're prepared for that, and uh, pray the others will be prepared uh, as this storm comes on, and Oh, boy. And while we're talking about the storm, I won't be on air, but um, this weekend will mark the 15th anniversary. Saturday, actually, will mark the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina uh, making landfall in uh, the New Orleans area and the damage that it did. I, I felt that damage. (laughs) <laughs> even though i i i got away uh, still felt that damage and, and the damage from the following hurricanes that came late uh about a week or two later katrina i mean katrina was the most devastating that got the most news because of the damage it did to the city of new orleans thousands of lives lost billions of do- dollars worth of property damage um and the national attention it got from the slow response of the federal government and at that time George W Bush was president uh and you recall as they were doing these various uh fundraisers celebrities were you know raising funds and doing all these these shindigs Kanye West <laughs> was on one and uh as he was supposed to be making a you know some type of presentation or solicitation and instead the words that came out of his mouth was George Bush hates black people. That was the phrase that was heard around the world shortly after Katrina and was uh, unfortunately later linked with Katrina and the response of the government or the slow response of the government. However you however you see that, that led to the dislocation of thousands of people dispersed across uh, across America, actually. I I know I have relatives and friends who were living in New Orleans and initially they evacuated uh to places like Houston or Dallas or North Louisiana, Louisiana uh, Monroe or or in Arkansas or down to a, or to Atlanta. And some of those persons never returned. Matter of fact, uh, Bishop Paul S. Morton, because a lot of his church members Relocated to the Atlanta area after Katrina, they uh, they they planted a church there, and that church is thriving. And of course, uh, a lot of churches were able to rebuild, a lot of communities were able to rebuild. And uh, I would go down shortly after and you know, I helped in some of the rebuilding and cleaning efforts. Uh, matter of fact, I even had, I almost had a job offer. At one of the schools there, in, um, in in New Orleans, in Gretna, actually, and but anyway, I, they they've they've come a long way in, since that storm. But on this coming Saturday, as we approach the anniversary, the 15th anniversary, uh, a moment just to remember those lives that were impacted by uh, Katrina. They lost. Family members. Some were never even able to recover bodies of their lost loved ones. So just take that time to remember them and uh, pray as we continue through this hurricane season that we don't see anything like that again anytime soon. So that's that's it. Um, I have to address this real quick, and not real quick, but I'm I'm going to talk about. The, the violence violence riots that's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'm sure by now many of you have been following the news. That you're you've heard the, about the shooting of Jacob Blake, 29 year old black man um, there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Father, uh, I think about four or five children. I could be mistaken, but he's an uncle. He's a he 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 was been described as a, a as a humble man but anyway on pat, on this past sunday evening you saw that he was uh shot several times uh by the local police department uh, officers from the local police department and um while he survived he is in critical but stable condition and as right now his uh the reports that he's uh Right now, paralyzed from the waist down, they don't know if that's a long term or if that's just short term. He's in surgery, and we are praying for him and his family, all of that. And uh, I, uh, I just learned that um, he has a connection to the African Methodist Episcopal Church. His grandfather uh, was a pastor in Evanston, Illinois. That's their family hometown. And he's renowned for the community engagement and development that he did while pastoring at the Ebenezer Amy Church there in Evanston. They have a housing, uh, some houses, housing, uh, pro- I don't want to call it projects, but uh, uh, units named for him. And he's, he's, he's revered for the work that he did in that city and in that community um our bishops our council of bishops have put out a statement regarding that um and, and I, I just want to say this and and this 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 is where i'm starting with this first um we ought to pray for pray for pray for the Blake family of course and for for uh the police department for that community they they're experiencing terrible i would never wish anything like what they're experiencing uh, on anyone, on any country, any city, anything like that. Um, The second thing is, while this is bringing a greater awareness that uh, incidents like this can happen anywhere in this country, Kenosha, Wisconsin. You don't even think black folk live (laughs) in Kenosha, Wisconsin, but they're there and there probably is a very small uh minority population in, in that in that city but yet this incident happened and uh we we have the narrative the narrative that has been put out uh, regarding the shooting we have video footage from uh a cell phone and i think they will release body cameras if they have that uh, dash cam or any other information from the police department so we have that but um there's always a narrative that's created by the media to sell the story and we have to learn not to believe the first narrative that comes out not knocking uh the media well yeah i am knocking the media because they they, they mislead it's they're intentional, and i i personally believe this is just me i personally believe uh they're just trying to keep black folk in fear they, they, why I don't know uh, these incidents, these incidents are still statistically statistically and uh they're highlighted and um really really um made hyper hyper visual because uh, uh this you know now we have cell phones, so immediately once it's uploaded it's captured and it's you know it's spread. And that's a good thing because we have a greater sense of uh, access to this injustice that may be happening across communities like this uh, but we we have to learn that most times the first narrative that is put out is always or usually has been the case inaccurate and uh, misleading we We learn for example with with Trayvon Martin the initial the initial narrative was put out is that he was walking, he was being stalked, and all he had was Skittles, uh, teeth, and the hoodie, and that led him to being uh, killed. But we later discovered that it was more than that. Uh, these two, him and the perpetrator, I'm not going to say his name at all, actually got into a physical altercation, and <laughs> the perpetrator ended up getting beat up pretty b- <laughs> pretty bad. Uh, which, when they charged the perpetrator for uh, one one and one one crime, the reason it did work because they overcharged him. We also saw the same same thing happen in uh, the Ferguson incident with Michael Brown. Uh, the initial incident report narrative was that he was unarmed and he, you know, he put his hands up and said, "Hands up, my hands are up, don't shoot." And that the officer disregarded his plea to not shoot and shot him anyway. And that was the initial narrative, this unarmed teenage young man, you know, a gentle giant, was killed by this racist police cop. All right. Well, we discovered that that was not the true narrative that the friend just wanted to paint a picture of his friend, you know, his acquaintance, whoever it was, and literally gave an entirely false narrative. We later discuss, discovered, and it was proven by Obama Department of Justice as they investigated, the feds went in and investigated, and they saw that the narrative that was presented by the officer was more accurate than the narrative that was presented by the witnesses. And we also, you know, there was also video footage of Michael Brown committing an act of theft. And there was uh, records of the altercation between Michael Brown and the officer. And so they did not indict. And just recently, the new uh, state attorney or attorney, district attorney for that community uh, reviewed the case. And... uh, Initially was going to say we, we we will Pursue this but they Ended up after reviewing Came to the same conclusion uh, There's the officer Was justified and the Shooting was justified That's that's the end Of the story you know and this is a black Prosecutor by the way And More recently in the case of George Floyd the Lord rest His soul uh, We also are learning that that narrative that was initially pushed by the media is, is incorrect or inaccurate. It's not, it's not how it was as, uh, more video footage was leaked and we have a, a better perspective of the actual events leading up to his death. Now I still believe the officers who are involved in that, uh, should, uh, they 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 have been charged and we hope that they get uh his family gets the justice from that. And regarding incidents like Brianna Taylor and um Ahmad Aubrey and we can go on through the Pantheon the names that are never make the national news but the the cases are the same. You know the narratives portray the victim one way and usually, unfortunately It ends up not being The entirety of the case And uh, we should always I, I hate when people victim blame Blame the victims For their own deaths this, And By no means should anyone be blaming anyone For their own death At the hands of someone else Especially those who are called And committed to serve and protect You know we, We've got to stop just got to Stop doing that but in the case of Kenosha, Wisconsin, what bothers me about this whole thing is they didn't even give time for the narrative to really get out before they started rioting. I mean, this is this was this was ready to go off. They they were ready to pop off for anything. It, it, that's how it comes across. One, uh, we can't uh, we can't know whether they assumed he was dead at the hands of the officers. Because uh, various reports said it was, you know, uh, seven times the narratives were said that his kids were in the back seat of the car or, or all of that. For me, that that's really is not relevant to the, the, the reality of what they're trying to do, how they manipulate, how media in particular, mainstream media manipulates this narrative to produce a a, a particular outcome. Why were these folk mad to begin with? Well, because it was a white officer shooting a black man. Boom, that was enough. That was enough to trigger them. Now, we don't know what the homicide rate is in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'm quite sure is low. But what is the black and black crime? And yes, I'm bringing that in because this is, again, it, 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 it falls back into the narrative. OK, what is what is the black on black violence like in the city of Kenosha, particularly in the neighborhood where uh, Mr. Blake was shot? OK, what what is that? What's the violence like? What is the statistical violence like? OK, what does it reflect in, in the overall community? That's that's one thing we have to look at. So but but based on the narrative that, that was presented over these over these last uh at least the last 8 years since 2012 with Javon Martin uh and with many others I can go again I can go through the list of the pantheon of names of police involved shootings police involved uh, deaths uh officers involved deaths and it it seems to be the 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 biggest point is that they uh, are being presented this narrative that that um as long as it's a white officer and a black individual, that should be sufficient for you to protest, that it should be sufficient for you to riot. And they, they're they're rioting they burned the church. As I've read in some outlets. and I, I Again, I'm reading this. I'm, I'm getting this from secondary and uh, tertiary surface, uh, sources. And they're burning churches. They're burning a car lot. And one individual went on, uh, Stephen Crowder. If you're familiar with Stephen Crowder, he's a conservative YouTuber. Um, and I just happened to stumble upon his channel yesterday. And he had someone supposedly from... Uh, the Kenosha community and who was out there rioting and this guy had on the mask and I don't know if this was staged or what I, I don't know all I know is that this person claimed to be uh, a, a, a member of that community rioting and justifying the burning down of a car lot because they sold lemons <laughs> I, I lie to you not. I'm not I don't know whether to believe that or not but the whole the whole point is they're destroying property for no valid reason. And now we have just learned, this is breaking news, that overnight at least two persons have been killed, and one person is uh, critically injured from uh, a shooting overnight. And the narrative is, is – and I, I just – look this up on cnn.com so you can go there and read the story uh you probably if you haven't heard it on the news already but there um that these these are protesters and they were called to disperse uh and they dispersed but some went to a local gas station and and there they were met by uh armed men it did not say if they were black men white men it was just armed men and that there were alterc- verbal altercations, and later on, you know, crowds came, and the altercation eventually led to uh, physical shooting. And we pray for those who lost their lives and injured. But you know, this is again, this is breaking, and the Kenosha the police have not really released much information regarding the shooting. But um, Jacob Blake is not dead, and we hope that he has a – he recovers well and is able to use this incident as a means, not only of God's grace, but as a means to promote reconciliation of some kind because that's really needed. That is really needed, the idea that these narratives, these incidents are used perpetually. Perpetually, and I do mean that intentionally. They are used perpetually to to put this imagery of discourse between uh, police officers and blacks keep us in in fear. And I wa I listened to uh, Doc Rivers and his emotional words, and I, I felt it. I, I felt what he was saying, and I understand the sentiments, but. But uh, I I don't believe we are in this state that he believes we are in. I don't. I don't want to believe it. Maybe. Maybe I'm. I'm just blind to it. Uh, But I choose to believe that we have progressed further as a country regarding race relations, reconciliation, and all that. I believe we progressed further. And I was on a a call with fellow pastors. I'm in an organization with and this is one of the things that we talked about and our call this morning was the fact that when it comes to race reconciliation it has it 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 has to do more than just getting you a friend of another race, so white folk can't just say that I have black friends and black folk can't just say we have white friends and when we look at the younger generation, the engagement is what's really it's all about these young people are the ones really fueling the idea of we're not as as you know we're not where we used to be and the funny thing is these are black and white kids young adults uh going out into these streets protesting and doing all these are young black and white and then that while they're doing this they're they're in the same time saying that we you know Oh, there's still racism and I'm like there can't be if there can't be racism uh, on the lines that you're saying that, it is, that it exists because if there is you two wouldn't be together you know fighting this fight because but then again when I reflect back in the 50s and the 60s there were white students and black students doing the same thing so maybe there's some parallel that I'm missing I don't know but but, uh, I do say this, I believe the narratives are triggering, and I think they are intentionally triggering, so while it's Kenosha today, it may be a small town in Utah tomorrow, it may be an even smaller town, God forbid if it's in the delta here in Mississippi oh boy that that's really that's really <laughs> going to trigger. Or if Louisiana, or wherever it may be, that that will be really triggering. I have a caller. Did you want to make a? I see five hundred four. Uh, did you want to make a comment? Hello. Hello. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm fine. I'm I'm calling from New Orleans, and I, I was uh, taking the time out to go through to see what programs they had on. I also have a show called New Orleans Wake Up, and that's my, uh name of my program. I, I go by the name of Brother Warren. Love. And I was listening to, yes, I was listening to, I, I, in fact, I actually tuned in at the part you mentioned something. I guess you're talking about the, the incoming Hurricane Laura that's going to impact the Texas-Louisiana border. In Lake Charles And at I, I, that part I tuned in there And then I began as you were talking I began to look you up And I I noticed you are an AME pastor Yes And the o- the only thing I knew about the AME church Is I had an aunt Here in New Orleans Lived across the street From uh, St. James St. Church, James, historic historic St. James AME church St. James, historic St. James Yeah, yeah And so There. What I wanted to add to some of the things you were saying is that um, I might be a little older than you, but when you go back to the 60s and that phase of the middle, the early, middle 60s, where young African Americans asserted leadership along with Dr. King. Uh, many people in the black community began to become concerned about their leadership role, or they felt they were too radical. And when you look at how Dr. King did not disassociate himself from people like Stokely Carmichael, and so on and so forth. In fact, when Dr. King gave a sermon at the Riverside Church against the war in Vietnam, Stokely Carmichael was the first person he called. Now, the other people around Dr. King, Andy Young, and all of them. They distance themselves, but not Dr. King. That's and I correct. think what yes. we do to I think I think what we do today is we black people, some black people, because I think there's this real great effort to be accepted by the white dominant society, we sacrifice our young people. We lambaste their name. We give them a bad character because Some of the things they do to address continuing racism embarrasses us. And I think we need to look at ourselves as to what is it we really want when we see our young people responding to things that still do exist. Young African Americans are mistreated. In fact, I was just reading an article the other day how this white teacher at this school, I forget what state, would ridicule the black children, would let them go to the Black History Month programs and so on and so forth at the school. We're talking about 2020. Hmm. And I think that we we are sacrificing our young people to be accepted by the white dominant society.
1: Okay. I, I, I do agree with you. I, I think we um, collectively have been doing that. Um, and there's a sense of radicalness that's more pervasive in this younger group of black activists than persisted or existed even uh in the 50s and 60s and 70s and it's it's not a it's not the same type of radicalness uh um that we're seeing it's it's one it's it's it stems from an intersectional perspective you know our black kids are exposed to greater things than, than your generation and my generation was exposed to. They're engaged in, dinner, in in more intersectionality. So they're they're identifying, you know, queer and all of this and all the all we can think of. They they're identifying that and they're, inter, they're bringing that into their perspectives also. Whereas whereas you know when you talk about Dr. King, Andrew Young um Stokely Carmichael and uh, uh Huey Newton even Huey, Huey Newton they saw it within the strict constraint of blackness Malcolm X mm-hmm. you know, blackness mm-hmm. there was no intersectionality uh but uh when you when you talk about Dr. King at the Riverside Church he drew more criticism outside of the black community for speaking that than within the black community because most of the black women wasn't engaged with the Vietnam uh argument as much as they were right. still trying to find their sense in integration and, and right, find, right, their, right. find their find their voice in this new uh realm of existence for them. Right,
0: and, right, right.
1: Uh and with the young people today, well, they've already they've always been existing in a very, very broad existence the broad life they got exposure mm-hmm. to it as children and you know so it's it is it, unusual to see it within the constraint and the strictest perspective of just simply being black and even the black lives matter global movement in their own words on their own website say we are intentionally mm-hmm. though we say black lives matter we are intentionally intersectional and we are intentionally right, right. including including all these other groups as part of our black experience. And that's a great
0: difference. let 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 me chime in on that part there. I agree with you, everything you just said. But what has to be understood is that within this black demographic, there are those young blacks who are challenging that approach because that approach is supported and funded by whites the emphasis on LBGQ2T uh, concerns is funded by the outside. And there are blacks within the uh, reaction against what's happening today who are challenging that that approach. It's just that those with the money, the most money apparently gets the media coverage and therefore the credibility, quote-unquote. But what I'm I'm addressing is the actual existence of black people and black youth, in particular, being shunned and disrespected by law enforcement. In fact, if we really look at these economically deprived communities, you have law enforcement who have actual organized crime going on themselves within with that population. You have police officers have trafficking going on, sexual activity with the girl. So these young people actually see and experience this stuff that's happening. And this attitude in law enforcement where you can just do anything you want to a black person and your law enforcement colleagues will back you up, support you, and even lie for you is too pervasive as it was at the time when they had riots during the 60s. 50s and 40s as a result of the same police mistreatment. Yes. In yes, New Orleans, right. New Orleans is a case Chicago had a whole torture. It was a whole torture unit that was revealed in the last few years in the Chicago Police Department. How they would torture these young black people. Hmm.
1: You're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right. Listen, I got to take a hard break because I'm running late on time. Thank you so much for your your dialogue. And tell the name of your show again.
0: New Orleans, wake up.
1: New Orleans, wake up. All right. Thank you so much, Carla.
0: Have a great day. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, when I come back from the break, we are going to talk about the topic of the day. Who's fooling who? Why pandering for black votes? It's unimpactful for blacks, and um, the national election is just uh, a few months away, and uh, yeah, they're pandering hard. So we're going to take a quick break and be back right after this. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare, and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have, and uh, you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of, you can. And find it on Skillshare. So and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll you'll love it. You'll greatly greatly enjoy it. Go check it out, skillshare.com slash zero today radio. I'm Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and i like speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education leadership and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look to the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry. Blending spiritual principles with a family system's approach to ministry, I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at O'Neill at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this present age and to fulfill and engage all yourself to do your master's will. Blessings.
2: You're listening to Zira Today with Dr. Lorenzo
0: Neal.
1: Hello and welcome back to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Thank you so much for thinking it out, Robbie, to tune in with me today. I uh, hope that your day is going well. Uh want to thank again those of you uh, who are supporting us as patrons. If you are not a patron, go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal and become a patron of this broadcast, of my podcast, of all I do for as little as a dollar a month. And make sure you visit LorenzoTNeal.com to learn about all the other things that you can help and support. All right. So let's get into the topic of the day, pandering. Why do politicians pander to black vote? Why do they pander for the black vote? We're only, what, 13%, 14% of the population. And um, we know that I've, all our votes matter when we vote. We know that. So why do they pander to us? so much uh, why why do they cater to us? Why do they try to get us on their side? If you've been watching uh, uh, last week you had Democratic National Convention or the week before last you had Democratic National Convention and um, depends on
0: <laughs> what
1: channel or where you watched it was either boring or uneventful and a few moments that were just wonderful um, or you just like okay Let's just get on with it. And this week the Republican National Convention is, is going on and um depending on who you are, what you ascribe to, it's uh about the same. Some outlets are saying oh, it's, it's uh a little bit better than the DNC because they have more live uh events or speakers or however you want to put it. But in either way, both parties are putting on their best show for blacks you have the democrats who are or are doing their best to maintain the black vote amidst all the craziness that's happening in this pandemic um they are really trying to keep black folk on the on the on their, uh I don't want to say platform plat, plantation but uh, <laughs> and there that's that's what it seems like they're just really trying to keep black vote. And then you have the Republicans who are now doing more than before to court the blacks. Now, uh let, let me give full disclosure. I once was registered as a Republican and um I'm affiliated with a, an organization that's still re, uh uh not We we're not we are black Americans who are center right for the most part and uh, most are a lot of conservatives some are not I'm a moderate Uh, like I say I'm center right uh, more center than anything but they're 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 trying to get those independent black voters those who are no longer registered Democrats who are moderates like myself independents like myself and they're trying to pander to us and say, hey, uh, you got off that what they call the Democrat plantation. You got off the Democrat plantation. You need to come on over here. That's where you belong, boy. Good. that's where you belong right here. Now, I know that's horrible and that's very racist. (laughs) My southern accent is horrible. No, but um, both parties are pandering for the black vote, and both parties are pushing uh, their particular um, view as to why Blacks should vote for one or another. Now, um, the Democrat Party has one advantage. That is that they know of a surety that they have the votes. They are guaranteed the votes of those individuals who are more liberal or progressive. Those Blacks who are more liberal or progressive. They are definitely guaranteed those those votes, because they're pushing a platform that is intersectional. And uh, now here, here's the thing. You can go to both sites. You can go to DonaldTrump.com, and you'll see his uh, platform. And you can go to, uh, what is it, Democrat, and you can see that platform. Donald Trump's platform is pretty much all the talking points he's been having Add on COVID, and you get it for the most part. What he was saying prior to being elected in 2015, 2016, to what he's been saying since he's been in office, and add COVID, and you have pretty much his his platform. Uh, The Democrats is a little – now, when you look at Trump's platform, which is now the Republican Party's platform, even though it has not been – I don't know if they've officially adopted it yet. They probably have. That convention is still going on. Uh, and I don't know if they've officially adopted it, but this is his platform for 2020. You know, Health care. He wants to cut prescription drugs. And both of them have the same thing when it comes to health care, education, of course COVID, uh, immigration, and police uh, or criminal justice reform. Both of them, uh, both parties have that. Now, Trump seems to be more actionable, and the Democrats seem to be a little bit more abstract. But they're both pretty much the same talking points that you will hear Um, their 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 people speak. You know, when it comes to the Republican side, the more conservative side, when it comes to the idea of education, of course, they want more school choice, especially now. In COVID, where schools are having to decide, districts are having to decide how they're going about to have education, and some are doing in-person, some are doing hybrid, some like here in our local school district are doing all virtual, at least for this semester. Um, so this, they're, they're pushing this now that, okay, COVID has proven that school choice can work for African-Americans. That they don't have to be forced into public schools that are failing, right? And then on the other side, you have the Democrat uh, National Party platform that says, "Well, education—we don't just want school choice. Of course, we want every child to be educated, but we want to fund—you know—let's well, give more money." And, and uh, I am exaggerating. You can find it more specifically when it talks about education when you go to uh, go there and read it. But basically, when it comes to providing a world-class education, uh, they're going by zip code. <laughs> they derogated they, they, it they down to the zip code. We want to make sure that there's universal education from childhood on up, Head Start funded, and everything. We want to make sure that when it comes to higher education, uh, some are saying make college free. State colleges free. Uh, and Trump is simply saying no. We don't want to go that far, but we just want to make sure that everybody has opportunity to succeed educationally. We want to make everybody. Uh, we want to make sure that we teach exceptionalism, and that's that's probably the biggest thing, you know, on the Trump platform that he's pushing, and he's pushing American exceptionalism. That that was the idea. That's what we grew up learning in schools. That that is not necessarily the case. Um, but anyway. You go through it and you'll see uh, the variables on each platform, and there, again, it's like one side of the coin, both sides of the coin, how that, that thing goes. And, of course, when it comes to criminal justice, one is saying back the police. The other one is saying defund the police, uh, more community policing and all that stuff, but that's neither here nor there, and I don't want to get into that. Uh, what What I wanted to talk about is a clip that I came across with Ice Cube. And if you didn't know, Ice Cube uh, over the weekend um, made a short clip asking the question, "What's in it for us? What 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 what's in it for Black folk? If we give any party our vote, what do we get out of it? What are the tangibles that we can see? If you're going to pander to us for our vote, what are we going to see? And there's a currently a Republican a uh, uh, young lady in Baltimore running for Congress. Um, In Baltimore And she was Republican She put out an ad that went viral has gone viral And she's walking And she said walk with me She walks through the various neighborhoods Of um, Baltimore And presenting the same narrative That most conservatives present About Democrat led cities And how dysfunctional they've been Since they've been under Democrat leadership And so forth and so on And she regurgitates that narrative Um, But she's popular, she's pretty And you know She might get elected, we don't know But Ice Cube asked a question And I'm going to play this clip, it's about three minutes And uh, we're going to go over time But I still want to talk about that So take a listen to what Mr. Ice Cube says
2: So Over the last four days The Democratic National party held that convention. A lot of people you know what I mean, getting up there and talking and you know, everybody really you know, eating it up, you know, throwing their hands in the air like they just don't care damn near. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, what I didn't hear is what's in it for us? What's in it for the black community besides the same old thing we've been getting from these uh, parties. What's in it for us, for real? You know, I didn't hear anybody mention a contract with Black America. And I don't know why, because it's one of the most comprehensive um, reform. Uh, documents that's come about in a long time that could really address the problem the way it look they don't have a plan everybody's you know talking about get Trump out get Trump out get Trump out. if you vote that that's gonna happen them on the first day so now what Trump out now what 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 do we get in the first 100 days? That's what we're trying to figure out. What do we actually get that, we, that they could give us overnight like that? They just pulled $3 trillion out their ass and gave it to their friends. That's American taxpayer money. That's your money that they just gave away. And then there's Half forty-two percent of black businesses closing. None of that money. Where's Where's our fucking bailout? Where's the bailout? Not the PPP loan that they that they didn't give us. Where's the bailout? I don't want to hear about deficit. I don't want to hear about uh, what our our generations gonna have to pay. Because if we don't have shit, they ain't going to have shit anyway to pay nothing. So we got to start something right now. Democrats don't seem like they got a plan. Republicans don't seem like they got a plan for us. So how the hell are you going to vote for them? Make, them? make them earn that vote. They can start today. They ain't got it yet. They can start today. Make their ass earn that vote, man. Stop playing with these people, and they'll stop playing with you. Excuse the language, but
1: that is Ice Cube. What can you expect? <laughs> Listen to what he said, though. Now he said this following the end of the Democrat National Convention, leading up to the RNC. And but I, I I just gotta agree with him. Make them earn your vote. They don't have it yet. The whole point of campaigning is to to give a platform that they can convince you enough to vote. But the problem is with the Democrats, the Democrats automatically assume and rightfully so because for, for at least the last two or three generations, they have gotten black votes off top. Right off top, they already know, we ain't got to do nothing because black folk gonna vote for us. That's how Joe Biden actually got the nomination. Joe Biden was trailing behind Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, <laughs> but he was trailing behind those two persons. And uh, what's the the, uh, the the city the the mayor of the city uh, in in uh, Indiana? Budachek, is that what his name? Anyway, he was trailing, but everybody knew. When South Carolina primary came, that's all he needed. That that is all that he needed. And guess what? Those black folk turned out in in numbers and gave Joe Biden that vote. And that was the end of it. It, It's like all those candidates just started dropping like flies. Well, we ain't going to get the nomination. We ain't going to get it. We're not going to win in primaries. Uh, Joe Biden won South Carolina he didn't even have to do anything it, it, this was this was after allegations of sexual impropriety uh, were levied against him and this is <laughs> and they shifted their voice from believe the woman to well she don't really matter because you know she's making this allegation but anyway we have to make them earn our vote both parties Matter of fact, we have to think independently. I wish more black folk were independent, and 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 had platforms that they demanded. Those political parties look at. When now we're talking about Black Lives Matter. What specifically about Black Lives Matter are you, as a party, going to do to address racial injustice? It's systemic. We we know it's systemic. We know that there's mass incarceration. And you didn't have to watch the documentary Thirteenth to see that. You you probably got a cousin <laughs> on your mama daddy side in prison for something. So we know we as Black community we know the issues that are in our communities, and they make us be solid until they come in and, and address it. Then all of a sudden, we hear from someone who may not be our uh degree of melanin. It may not be as highly melanated as us. And they come in and they say what well, we've been saying, but it's like all of a sudden, oh my God. They see the problem. They're gonna do something. It's like being at a uh being at a church and I <laughs> and you you preach you preach, your heart is on one thing and the members act like they don't care about what you said. and then you bring in a guest speaker and every guest speaker says the exact same, can preach the exact same sermon, word for word. You can give them a transcript of your sermon and say, hey, preach this. And they preach it and the folks will shout and act like this is their first time hearing it. <laughs> I, that's a gross exaggeration I'm just saying. But we we have to do better and why is I, why do i say it's unimpactful for black when when uh politicians from both parties pander why is it unimpactful because 9 times out of 10 when we give them their vote they do not follow through with anything that they said they would do i was involved in politics i've been involved in politics for most of my life. I got involved as a twelve year old kid with my uh junior high school coach, Coach Ferris, had us out <laughs> out campaigning for uh for for uh one of the local black uh men who was running for state representative. He had already been elected and uh not only was he a preacher, but he was an attorney. And uh, you know, anyway, so we were passing out these flyers for him to be reelected. And and of course, I got to meet them. That's when I got interested in the politics. Then, when I went to boys state uh I campaigned i worked on several political campaigns in high school, local and state level now, uh, when I went to boys state, I really learned the political system what it what it how bills you know how to produce bills. I wrote legislation in boy state and all that stuff and I even ran for governor. I lost, but then I got an appointment. <laughs> By the governor to a high position, and I was like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool." And then, as uh, in my twenties, you know, I I stayed in the, engaged with with politics, and and um, it's been a part of me ever since. So, uh, I believe wholeheartedly that the black community, black people, is a constituency that has more power. Than we believe When I say we have more power than we believe You ought to get tired As and, and I do And I stop having politicians come to my They, they can come to my church I recognize them And um, you know I tell the congregation their platform I don't let them get up and talk I tell them because I've already had a conversation with them If they you know They're coming to my church I'm like alright You talk with me first So I can understand what you're saying and i will when you come to the church i'm going to recognize you and i'm going to tell the people about you i'm not going to let you talk cuz in the church i have the influence <laughs> anyway we have more power than we believe and i hate that we've been giving it away and i said as i said earlier earlier about these narratives i hate that we can't control our own narrative we can't before any time there's a officer-involved shooting, the media gets the narrative and runs with it, and we have to take on the narrative that's already been out there. We can't create our own narrative. We can't create our, our own platforms. We know right now, while President Trump's platform is about eradicating uh, COVID, where are the black politicians who are gonna be honest and address it? Look, it is inappropriate, it's inappropriate. is and uh, it's been affecting Black communities at a higher rate, disproportionately. And we don't just want a vaccine; we want uh, a complete revocation of the healthcare system as it is regarding how Blacks are afforded treatment. Yes, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, has opened a lot of opportunity. You know, provided Opportunities for a lot of those people who were not able to acquire health insurance, private health insurance. But at the same time, it, it still does not help them because it keeps them in bondage. They can't get quality care. Not the best. They're getting care. They're not getting the best quality care that, can, that they could possibly get. We have to do better. It's unimpactful if we continue to just throw our votes away, because they're regurgitating things that we've already heard, promises that they made themselves made, but some other politician made, and now they're taking up that mantle, and still nothing's done. And and it's true. When they talk about Democrat-run cities, unfortunately, that, that seems to be the biggest perspective, particularly for those that are majority Black. We have these in leadership who would rather stay in power than see any progress, even if they call themselves progressives. We got to do better. So as this campaign season gets really underway, uh, I invoke you and invite you to pay attention. Watch the debates. Don't watch the sound. Don't watch the sound bites. Don't watch... The, uh, mainstream media's uh, sound bites From debates Watch them Listen Read material Be informed Be engaged Be an educated voter And don't be swayed Don't be swayed by All this misinformation That's out there about both Candidates All candidates Research for yourself Make make it your effort to Try to engage them Personally if you can, write them they're, they're humans Write them Email them Call, leave message And if they get elected, stay on their nerves Make sure Once they're elected, you stay On their nerves I do it uh, uh, I know who my constituent I know who I'm a constituent of And my My um local community, in my state legislatures, both the House and Senate, and in the U.S. Congress, both House and Senate. I emailed them. And not just because of my role in my church and, and my my uh, advocacy with social justice and all of that. No. It's because I'm all about empowering people. And what Mr. Cube said is what has been said in the barbershops for decades. We've been saying it. If we turn around and do the same thing, and that's what was very unimpactful. But anyway, uh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, again, we want to invite you if you have not done so, go to our uh, social media, go to the Facebook page, Zero Our Network and Join that community, like that page, listen to archive shows. Also, go follow us on uh, Twitter, Zero Our Network on Twitter. Visit my website, LorenzoTNeal.com, um, and uh, support us there. Become a patron, patreon.com slash LorenzoTNeal for as little as a dollar a month. We invite you to do so. Thank you so much for all of your support that you've given to us over these last 10 years, and we hope we can continue being great We don't just want to make America great. We want to make you great. All right? And listen in next week as we put out another one. We hope the Lord will empower us to do so. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day.